Hi, creative. Lauren here. Wanted to let you know I have a brand new single coming out called Pretty Little Boy, and it premieres Monday, October 4th, which, if you didn't know, is National F-Boy Day. So definitely mark your calendars and pre-save the song now at the link in the show notes and in my Instagram bio. Also, as always, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, and share the show with a friend. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso, the show at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and my amazing producer at We Can't Find Emily, and we will repost to share our gratitude. All right, now let's get to the creative chat. Have you ever been watching a movie or taking in a piece of art or listening to a song and it so clearly depicts something you've gone through that it triggers you in a way that's unhealthy? Or maybe that piece of art kind of like revels in this pain rather than moving through it and giving you tools to move on. I know I have. So has my friend, amazing producer of the show, Emily Shulmanovich. And she's here today to talk a little bit about that. But before we get into it, I want to welcome you to the show. This is Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host, producer, singer-songwriter, actor, creative coach. And this show is really meant to give you tools to take fear out of the driver's seat, to love yourself enough to go after whatever is on your heart and explore the creative process. We talk about creativity, spirituality, mental health, self-development. And today, Emily came to the table with this amazing idea based on a situation that she went through last night. And when she brought it up, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I've definitely experienced that too. I'm sure listeners have as well. And um, I think we want to talk through what it looks like and feels like and give tools to get out of the situation if you're in it. Right, Em? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's jump right in. Um, Let's do it. I, first of all, I have really high standards for movies and kind of just like don't lean into anything that's a little too cheesy or dramatic. I love like the psychological thriller genre, the horror genre, like anything that kind of takes me out of my element. Mm -hmm. Mikey, my boyfriend's sister has been dying to watch the new Dear Evan Hansen movie. I don't, have you watched it or have you seen the musical? I haven't, but I've heard some things about it. Yeah. So at first I like looked up the reviews and I was like, these are like kind of iffy. The audiences loved it. Critics were like, eh. And I was like, okay, this is probably gonna be really cheesy. All I knew ahead of time, and this isn't really spoiling anything um, because it happens in like the first two seconds of the movie is that it's really about teen suicide, mm-hmm. which is not really a trigger point for me right. directly. I've had suicidal thoughts and stuff like that, but I've never lost anyone to suicide. And in general, like there are exceptions. I like some musicals. I love Rent, you know, like- Obviously huge fan of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> One of the best pieces of work that ever came out of our history as humans. Exactly. And I think a lot of that just connects to like my childhood place that I was in, stuff like that. But um, yeah, when it came to this, I was kind of just like ready to buckle in for two hours of like not really being into it. And I mean, we're talking about Ben Platt. He's like the most incredible voice performer on the planet. Like he shakes me to my core. And I was not prepared for how good this movie would be. As the movie goes on, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting really triggered because the main character has, is just a kid in high school who has a ton of 
anxiety, social anxiety, anxiety in general. Mm. I'm just very quietly bawling to myself the entire time. Like on either side of me is my boyfriend and his sister. And they're just like really enjoying it. They're just like, oh, this is great. Good music, good story. And I'm I'm just having images of like my past coming at me mm. like a fucking hurricane. Just like partly anxiety, partly like, you know, there's a scene where he's he he his dad left when he was young. And so like he's looking at this other family and like talking about how much he wants to like have what they have. And um and it reminded me of meeting my boyfriend's family for the first time and like mm. being really attached to them because I really wanted like the family dynamic that they had it was just like it was it was really really tough and I I was like like pushing myself to stick through it I was like okay don't leave this movie you can get through it I was like trying to meditate through it and I want to say maybe 20-30 minutes before the end of the movie I couldn't even I couldn't stay and I walked out and I just went to the bathroom and bawled um also can we talk about the fact that like when we see other people crying in public, this is a total sidebar. When we see other people crying, you want to like lend out a hand and be like, are you okay? I see you. I want you to, you know, mm-hmm. you're the person crying. You're like, do not look at me right now. Do not talk to me. Like I'm going through my own. Is it just me? I hate it when people talk to me. I feel like that. But I think if I was being honest, like if I was open enough to it, I would really love someone to lend out a hand. But I feel like a burden a lot of the time when I'm upset. So I try to like manage it on my own. But I think if we were all, you know, like the little balls of light that we are sent to this earth to be without the baggage of feeling like our feelings are a burden, we would accept the hand. But since we're not and since we've all been traumatized, yes. Well, yeah, but there's also just times that yeah. you need to be alone. Definitely. When you need to process something, you need to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I know that I'm just reliving something in my head right now. I don't need anyone's help. I just need to go through it, mm-hmm. you know? And so when other people like bring attention to the fact, I would, the, the, and the woman was so sweet. This was like our server. Oh. By the way, you've been to the Alamo Draft House? No. I'm shook. More people in LA don't know about this place. It is the most amazing date night. With your boyfriend's sister. With your boyfriend's sister. I love the Alamo because it's it's $18 per ticket. It's like cheaper than going to the Grove. And you have a server? Dude, you have recliner seats. You have a server throughout the entire movie. They serve alcohol. They give you meals. They have like even a separate like vegan menu. And you do not get out of your seat. It's incredible. And the theater is a lot smaller and they have social distancing separation where it's like three seats in between you and everyone else. And the theater is like one fourth of the size of a regular theater. So you get like- Where is this? It's in downtown LA. Oh, amazing. And they show a lot of like classics too. Like Beetlejuice is going to be playing in a couple weeks. And like, it's like a mix of like indie movies, movies that are out right now. And then like the classics. So cute. Maybe I'll go there and have my own bathroom cry yeah. session. In a lovely bathroom, by the way. <laughs> lovely stall. Gorgeous. <laughs> this is actually secretly sponsored by the Alamo. <laughs> um, wait, okay, so let's go back to the bathroom. So your server came in and like saw you crying? On my way to the bathroom, she like oh she like made way too much eye contact with me where I was like, I, I'm so glad I have bangs now because I was literally like <laughs> just walking through the hallways like I'm the grudge. We're to the lies. Bangs are for hiding your tears. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
I cried it out for a while. I like made sure it was like everything looked not puffy as much as I could. Went back into the theater. There was maybe three minutes left in the movie. Movie finished. We left. I was like, yeah, I just really needed to pee. For like 20 minutes. Poop. Sure. Yeah. I was just like, anything is less embarrassing than like me just leaving and crying. Oh. And then on the way home, I started talking about it because Mikey was like, you didn't really have to. He's like, I've never seen you get up to go to the bathroom during a movie. Can I ask you a question? Why did you feel like you couldn't tell them in that moment what you had gone through? So partly uh, because his sister really wanted to see this movie. She knew it wasn't up our alley and I didn't want her to think that I didn't like it. Ah, I like, I didn't want her to feel bad that I, it made me go through something especially because we don't see her much. So it was like a good little bonding experience, you know, to do something that she really enjoys doing. Right. And also just, they're a family that does not cry. Like I've never seen the sister cry. I've never seen Mikey cry. I've been with him for four years now. They don't cry. Wow. Yeah. So I think, I know he cries more from like happy happiness than he does from sadness. Why do you think that is? Like, why don't any of them cry? You know what? I don't know. I've been trying to figure this out forever. I'm like, is this a genetic thing? Is this like, I have no idea. Their whole family. Yeah, because I'm like, I just can't imagine that because I come from like such a tearful. I know. (laughs) Like, we always are emoting, you know? Yeah. Not my dad as much, but he, I've definitely seen my dad cry. Really? Yeah. Never seen my parents cry. I've seen my mom cry. I've seen my mom cry, but that's rare as well. I'm the crier in the family and they always like looked down on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I I was not in the larger family for sure. I was made to feel crazy that I had emotions. My dad just like didn't really get the full depth of it. My mom like she she's emotional in her own way, but she didn't get like the full underbelly of the artist's struggle. Right, right basically. So, okay. Well, that's just interesting, but I can understand why in that scenario, you wouldn't feel as comfortable to be open about it. Sure. And I, I do as much as I wish I could stop myself from crying in in front of certain people. Like I don't have that ability when some people are like, just repress it. Like I have no idea. I was like, I think I tried to Google it once. I was like, how to stop yourself from crying. (laughs) That's so cute. Um, but we were on our way home and I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't think that watching that content, regardless of how beautifully it was made, was healthy for me. Not because I hadn't worked through my trauma. I definitely have. I've you know seen therapists for it. I feel separated from it. And at the same time, I think I have like such a visceral way of being able to like put myself in a past moment and that movie, I mean, it didn't give you any release. Like if you're, if you're into sad movies, y'all, this is the movie for you. Like it's two hours of just like putting you in this boy's shoes. And for someone who doesn't know what that's like for someone who hasn't been through that kind of anxiety or loss or comes from the perfect family. I mean, no family's perfect, but for somebody who can't relate to that stuff, I think it's really useful to watch that kind of art and try to connect to it. Mm-hmm. someone who's been through that kind of trauma it was the worst thing I could have watched it was just like really eye-opening to to go this is a beautiful work of art and it's not healthy for me yeah 
That's so interesting. Like what, what do you think like the takeaway is for somebody who's like been through something similar? Cause I do think that there's something to be said for some people who maybe have been through something similar to you would go watch that, feel the connection and feel seen and then have some sort of cathartic release for you. It just re triggered everything in your body and, and made you right back there again. So it wasn't healthy. So like, how do you learn yeah. what type of traumatized person you are? <laughs> Well, I, and I think that goes back to even therapy. I think the takeaway is not dwelling in your past, but really analyzing it, understanding it, and finding steps forward. So what I don't love about certain types of therapists is they'll be great listeners. They'll you know let you talk your heart out. They'll analyze your past and they'll go, oh, well, these are the reasons mm-hmm. you're feeling this way. Like, and I, I don't mean that they necessarily put blame, but I think it is quasi blame that you go, okay, it's because of your childhood. It's because of how your parents treated you that you're struggling with these issues. And a lot of people stop there and they go, okay, well now I've identified why I'm like this. And that's not the entire formula to moving forward. I think that's a part of it, but I think there's also the biggest part of it, which is like, forgiving, letting go, not dwelling, and then having tools to move forward. Mm -hmm. Watching something like this movie, I think was like, yes, you feel seen, but I don't need two hours of like being back at that place. Mm. I know that so many people go through depression and anxiety. I feel for them because I've been through it. I don't need to feel it again to do something about it for others, to feel empathy for others that are going through it. What I do need is to watch content that I don't have experience with, that I don't connect to, that helps me empathize with people that have gone through it. That's brilliant. So rather than if you've done the work, especially, because maybe somebody who hasn't done the work will watch that and be like, oh, that's me. I got to deal with myself and that could be the impetus for them to go to therapy. But if you have done the work, watching that might just reignite something in your body that has already been like stabilized that you don't need to reignite. And so what you should therefore do is instead seek out work. If you're going to watch something sad or something that could be like traumatizing, seek out work that shows a type of trauma that you haven't personally experienced and worked through. Exactly. And because I think as humans, it's our job to help everyone else feel seen. When you've gone through something, talking about your experiences helps other people feel seen. And then consuming content about other people's experiences help them feel seen. And then from there, it's like, okay, what can I realistically do? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think going back to your pain points and just reliving it is um, it's not helpful to you or to anyone else, you know? Yeah. And again, like for some people it might be, but like this is such an interesting different perspective. If I hadn't had the same experience as you, I think I probably would like push on you a little bit and be like, but wait, does it mean that you haven't worked through it yet? But I had like a similar thing happen to me when I watched the movie Whiplash, which Emily, I don't think you've watched it. And for anyone else who hasn't watched it, it's basically at the end of the day, it's a movie about a musical director who mentally and emotionally abuses and manipulates his students in order to get a great result. And it was so 
deeply upsetting to watch that because there have been many times throughout the course of my journey, one, of course, being high school with having that really abusive choir director. Um, I've had also people in this industry who like took my love and manipulated that to get me to be in an unhealthy environment and do what they wanted me to do. And I think at that time I had just gotten out of a situation like that where I was watching this movie for the first time. It, It was like so deeply upsetting to watch. I was like, I was disturbed for days after I saw it because they take you, like you said, you're so in the main character. There's two main characters. There's J.K. Simmons who plays the sadistic music director. And then there's Miles, I think is his name. He's an actor, younger guy who plays the musician who um, he would like humiliate him in front of the class. And I was like right there again when my choir director would like make me sing the harmony. And if I didn't get I have it- seen this movie. Yeah. Okay. I do. I remember watching this years ago. Yeah. When he's like, not quite my pace. Like it literally reminded me of one time my choir director made, she was asking everybody to stand up and like sing their parts. And I got one note wrong. And as soon as I got it wrong, she had me sit down and like called it out and humiliated me in front of the whole class. And then like started making a thing out of like Lauren and harmonies like and it was it wasn't even true. It was like that one note. And then he he got into sorry, spoiler alert. So if you want to see it, turn it off. But honestly, for any artists out there who have dealt with some sort of person manipulating or abusing them in their career or artistic journey or education, I really don't recommend you watch this. It's it's not necessary. It was beautifully done to your point. But I literally never need to see that because I've lived it multiple times. Yeah. And it was just upsetting and it wasn't helpful. And it was like, yeah, people take this too far. They take something that's make-believe and fun and turn it into something where they can have control and manipulate. I don't know why. Maybe they're actually just sociopaths. Maybe it's because they didn't get where they wanted to go with the career. And so then they feel like this is like their one sense of like power is like manipulating these young, talented people. But um, yeah, I, I just would say like, before going into watching anything or viewing anything, definitely take in the scene because that threw me off, like I said, for at least days, if not weeks. I'm remembering scenes from that movie right now. Remember when he got in the car crash? Yeah. I could have seen myself doing something like that. So he gets in this bloody car crash and he's so scared to lose the opportunity that I think he runs back and tries to completely covered in blood perform this concert. And like, I felt like metaphorically in a couple of these scenarios, I had been covered in blood and was like dragging myself through because I was so scared to lose whatever opportunity I thought I had to perform. Yeah. You don't need to see something that shows you what you've already been through and certainly not something that revels in the pain of that. And I would say like, I want to see this Evan Hansen movie because I've heard great things and I am like a musical theater nerd at heart you should and I think that like if you never had crippling anxiety and it's not a trigger point for you and I think that's really what it is and I, and I hate to use trigger point because that sounds like you haven't worked on whatever the trauma is you can work through something so hard and be so good and like away from it but you you're still every age you've ever been so if that little kid inside of you see something and starts feeling that in your body you're gonna feel it again like if anyone out there has gone through something like this, does, this does not mean you are not healed or you haven't moved on from it or you haven't like taken the proper steps to create a new path and a, and a life where you love yourself and, and have self-worth. It just means that that little kid is still inside you and they're still vulnerable. And this thing, it didn't allow for you to protect them in the way that you had been protecting them. 
That's a really good way of putting it because I definitely felt guilty. I think there was a lot of moments where I was crying, where I was like, I don't understand why this is putting me back there. But, you know, I think the definition of trauma is when your body doesn't process something into long-term memory. Like, and I think you've done EMDR, right? I haven't done that, but I've done uh, similar things. But did you end up doing that EMDR? Yeah, I did. And you know what, maybe I I stand to do some more of it because Mm -hmm. as my therapist explains it, trauma is experiencing something for the first time over and over again. So when you're triggered, it literally means that your whatever that situation was when you were a kid, you're experiencing it right now. Your body is going through the same exact physiological things that it went through then. And it's a separation problem. Like your mind isn't able to put that experience into long-term memory. It's going mm. oh, new trauma, new trauma. And so you're re-traumatizing yourself every time you do that. And so there was stuff that I worked through in EMDR um, with my inner child that definitely alleviated some trigger points for sure. But you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I haven't fully worked through this. Maybe it is um, and because it's a bigger experience, right? It's not one. And I think that's what, what was difficult about EMDR. You're supposed to go into a memory and, and this was oh. a memory. It's years of my life. You know, I think here's the thing. I don't want to say you haven't like fully because, again, we're always constantly whittling away and like leveling up. But I think you probably fully went through as much as you needed or could at that time. And if you feel called to revisit these things and see if there's something else there that could be inhibiting you in a different way now, then that could be a thing because you've leveled up. It's just like, you know. I'm always shocked by like how everything's a metaphor for everything. (laughs) Um, But like in life, you know, you move to one apartment. When I first moved into this apartment, I was so excited. I'm like, yes, this is like the next step. I'm so happy. Like this is exactly what I need. I have a hallway. Wow. Living that hallway life. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it was like such a luxury. But now it's time to level up to the next place. And that's going to be challenging. And I'm going to have to figure out like how to make more money and like support that. But like I need to do that because if I don't, then I'm not going to continue to grow and I want to continue to grow. And I need to like, sometimes you need to like literally change your space in order to change your life and change your mind. So it's similar. Like I think you probably got as far as you needed to for that time. And if you're starting to feel called toward it again, maybe that means you're ready to revisit some of these like deeper, more painful things that required a little bit more distance, emotional maturity and self-knowledge, which you have now. Yeah, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that at some point it's possible to not go back to that traumatizing place. Like, I I really wonder, is that like, is that okay? Is that something that happens for the rest of my life that, you know, any good work of art is going to put you in to that headspace and it's going to take you into that world. And no matter what, because you're in it, you're going to feel it. Or is it really that like, you know, if I have gone through, let's say more EMDR sessions or whatever version of truly putting this in the past, would me watching that movie result in me just seeing the character and not myself in the character? And is that what I want? Like, isn't the point of of movies and this content to be in that person's shoes, you know? 
A hundred percent. I don't think you want that, Em, because that's your story. Like, it would be like, now it's different because this is like a painful thing you've been through, but it would be like if I watched a movie about a singer and I was like, don't relate to her at all, you know? <laughs> it's like, that's what you've been through. And I don't think you want to divorce yourself from your story. You just want to, you want to separate yourself from being back in the pain, from the trauma, from that trigger point, having so much control over you that you can't go through the day. Right. Therein lies the difference. Cause there's other painful points in my life where I'm there can very easily talk about it mm-hmm. and it doesn't, I can't go there anymore. I feel, and, and the truth is that we're just different people every cell in our body is different from who we were as children. Mm. And so these are just stories that we tell ourselves and, and memories that we go into. And sometimes I really can't connect to some of the stuff that I've done in the past. Yeah. And that's okay because I still understand where it came from. You know, I still understand like certain decisions that I made that I'm not proud of because I think, you know, especially as a kid, your world revolves around you. Yeah. You know, you're not considering why you were treated a certain way, you know, how your mom's childhood affected her. Like there's, yeah. as you just get older, you go, yeah, everyone's fucked up. (laughs) It's not all about you, you know? And so your inner child feels a little less pressure of like the world coming down on you as a human. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in a way, maybe because you were perceiving like all these other kids around you as that age, and maybe that's part of the movie, you're like perceiving all these other kids around you at that age as like having some sort of perfect life. Yeah. That was kind of the moral too, is that we're all going through it, you know? Yeah. It's a deep topic. Like, I don't think that we can like fully uncover everything today, but I just thought it was such an interesting point that sometimes you can watch something that maybe on the surface, you'd be like, oh, this is great because I'll connect to it. But actually it can be more disruptive than just, I I, I think conversation is if you want to do something where you connect to someone going through the same thing as you, for me, conversation is a much better tool to get to the bottom because then you're sharing and reflecting and and it's an active thing versus that was passive. You were just getting hit with it and hit with it and hit with it. You didn't get to give anything back to Evan. You weren't like, hey, I remember when I was in seventh grade, (laughs) you know? So I think maybe that's the moral of it too. It's like, it doesn't mean you never have to talk about this. It doesn't mean you can't ever make art about it, but it just means like be protective and selective over what you consume because when you're sitting there as a passive viewer and you don't have the ability to talk back to the screen or to the painting or whatever it is, it can unearth something in you that maybe would have been more productive to unearth through conversation or therapy or journaling or making your own work about the thing. Totally. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's there's a safe way for you specifically you and your body and your experiences to uncover those things and start to work through it to just be hit with it. I remember whiplash too. I remember that whole movie was heavy And I hysterically cried watching that movie as well. And I haven't necessarily gone through something like that. So I can't imagine having that be a trigger point and watching that movie beginning to end. Oh, I fought with my ex-boyfriend about it after because we watched it together and he was like, wow, it's so good. I was like hysterically crying for like an hour after I'm like, it was unnecessary. Like, I don't understand why that had to be showed or why that had to be made and blah. Maybe it was because like people who aren't in the arts don't understand what that part's like and what it's like for someone to have such a hold over something that's so pure in your soul and corrupt it like that. 
But man, like I was really angry after I watched it too. As you should be. And I think that is the goal. It's like for people to go, wow, this part of the industry is really abusive or can be. And so we need to like protect people from that. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for bringing this topic to the table and for sharing so vulnerably. I think it's really important and it's something I never would have thought to talk about. And it's deep. And like I said, I think we're going to probably like uncover more of what this even means. But I loved working it through with you and you're so brave. And I hope you never lose your ability to be like so emotional and cry and just be who you are. Like I never want you to have to hold that in. I think it's one of your greatest assets as a human, as an employee, as an artist. And yeah. I'm starting to agree with you. I think it's important. I think people view it as weakness, which is a really sad thing. I think it shows your capability of empathy. Yeah. And I know you're a fellow crier, so. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe I have one little point of advice for the listeners. So if someone out there listening is like you and like grew up in a house where when you cried, it was like, you're weak, stop that. And now you're like trying to embrace it later in life, you know, where if, if an emotion comes, you let it happen, but you feel embarrassed by it or you feel like a burden or like weak to yourself. How would you advise them and like starting to move through just seeing that as a way that you handle and move through emotions? I mean, I look at it very much as, as a point of release. Like when I feel weak in those cases, and I think this really comes out when it is looking at other people's traumas. Like, I don't know if you, have you seen Nanette? Mm -mm. That comedy special? It's kind of a comedy special, but it's also like talks about literally the uh, comedian was, uh, is a gay woman who was raped and um, she really takes you there. And I cried for this woman for a full hour after I watched the special. And a part of me was like, that's really beautiful that like I can connect to somebody on this level that I can put myself in their shoes. And it's not weakness because now anytime I have the ability to do something about it, if I have the ability to stand up for someone or donate to something or prioritize where my attention is going for somebody who needs it, I can come back to that place. And it's a very visceral place instead of just logic and reason being the motivator, the main motivator for my decisions. Hmm. So I think that's just the constant reminder is like, it makes you more human. It makes you a better connector to other people in so many interviews. When someone tells you something really beautiful about their own life, I've heard you cry a million times and I go, what a beautiful person to be able to really put herself in their shoes and, and want the best for them. So I don't know what the exact definition of strength is, but I think that's pretty damn strong. (laughs) I agree. And honestly, I wouldn't want to work with someone in the capacity we work together unless you were able to emote and to feel. And so I just want anyone out there to know, I think the paradigm is changing too, especially as we have like either more female boss or at least like people who are in touch with their feminine energy and seeing that as a strength, seeing vulnerability as courageous, as Brene Brown would say. Um, I think more and more that's looked at as something that people want. Emotional intelligence is everything. And so I'm very grateful you're in touch with your emotions because I, I mean, I don't think we could create half as good a show if we weren't both in tune with people and just a total mess. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> if we were in a total mess, this would be bullshit. <laughs> It'd be so boring. Yeah. Who wants that? I'd rather cry than be boring. Yeah. So thank you for listening. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow it on Instagram, Twitter, at Unleash Your Inner Creative. Emily, I love you so much. Thank you for being my friend. Such an amazing producer. By the way, Emily, I just want to point out to the listeners, you got moved up to producer from associate producer within what? Like a little over six months. That's amazing. (laughs) You kick ass. Everyone give her a follow at We Can't Find Emily. I'm at Lauren LaGrasso. If you like what you heard, tag Em and I and post yourself listening to the show. We'll repost to share our gratitude. Please leave us a rating and review. Follow the show on Spotify, Apple, all the places. And my wish for you this week is if something doesn't seem like it's going to be helpful to you, even though it seems like it might be a beautiful piece of art, it's okay to not view it. It's okay to instead journal about it or have a conversation. Or maybe you just don't want to do that. Go, you know, go for a walk. Do something fun. Embrace your inner child in another way that doesn't involve maybe traumatizing them. I love you so much. And I believe in you. Emily, do you believe in them? So much. We love you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.